Hey, we're back. This is, I believe this is episode 13. <laughs> episode 13, Keep Five Alive. I'm Jason DeBeas, and the podcast for Sports Debate Tuesday starts right now. Hey, welcome. This is episode 13. Jason DeBeas along with my boy Rob. Keep it McLean. McLean, we're, we're living this Cali life. This coronavirus keeping us quarantined, but Rob and I are, remain the quarantine. So let's get to it, Rob. Um, we'll start with the NFL, all right? Recently, there have been some big contracts handed out to quarterbacks. We saw Tannehill get his money. We saw this Brady get his money. We saw this guy get his money. We saw that guy get his money. Um, so now we're not going to talk about the quarterback. We're going to talk about the running backs, all right? The most underappreciated position. They're like, if you want this contract, you got to run and show me. And then when you run and show me, it's like, oh, no, we ain't giving you no contract because you wore yourself out. So, so um Zeke got his money, held out. Remember Emmett Smith, uh, some of the uh, best running backs held, um, got their money. Uh, so money notwithstanding, Rob, who are your top five running backs today? Top five running backs. All right, well, it's pretty easy for me um, on the top of the list, but I'll start at the bottom where I got to mention. We're going five to one, Rob. Yeah. Who I got to mention uh, the two guys who I didn't put in first, you know, Alvin Kamara and uh, Mark Ingram. Honorable mention. You know, honorable mention. They're right there. And and I just love them both as runners. Um, My number five is uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, I don't like him that much because he's on the Cowboys. You know, he is what he is, but he's a fantastic runner. You can't deny talent and, you know, you got to show respect. So he is my number five. Uh, Always gets positive yards. Just perfect, perfect kind of running back. Um, my number four is Dalvin Cook. He was injured this season a bunch, but man, if you every time a guy touches the ball, it's just like it's a first down. Honestly, like he he makes people miss first down. Beautiful, like one of my one of my favorite runners to watch. My number three um, is Derrick Henry. Uh, Derrick Henry dominating people on the on the field. The only knock on him is it's not consistent enough. He needs to be consistent, and he you know. Then a team can literally build around him. And, but it's the same thing about the draft. If he was more consistent, he would have been the number one. Honestly, probably top five in the draft. So yeah. tough to see, but he's a great, great player. Uh, number two, Bama. my man Saquon Barkley. Uh, he is, you know, I think he's the best uh, pure running back in the league. Um, but there's many other facets to the game now, um, which is why number one, um, Christian McCaffrey, who got paid rightfully so. Um, but, man, getting the ball in Christian McCaffrey's hands is one of the craziest things to see because that guy makes people miss in all different ways. Uh, and not even for crazy yards because he's not like a burner. But, man, he just – everybody misses him, and he's one of the smaller guys in the field. So it's pretty pretty interesting to see. Um, but, yeah, that's my one through five. Uh, what you got, Jay? All right, here's here's my number five. My number five, different order, but a lot of our uh, same top fives, and I'm going to surprise you with one or two of them. Uh, Saquon Barkley, all right? This man is for real. Rob, in this league, it's hard enough getting 4.6 yards a carry, all right? Especially when you have a quarterback that that you can stack eight in the box and everybody knows you're coming and you're still getting those yards. That is a boss, all right? This man rushed for 1,000-plus yards, nine scores, and he missed three games. So that's my number five. Number four. Ready? Surprise. Aaron 
Jones of the Green Bay Packers, the lasso from El Paso, played like a boss with a thousand yards uh, um, rushing. Plus, again, just like Saquon, four point yards uh, per carry, sixteen rushing touchdowns, nineteen total. Um, four, four of them in the playoffs in the two games, and one. I mean, he played so well. And one might make the assertion that Aaron Rodgers isn't the best Aaron on this team. <laughs> I'm taking a stab at y'all. Um, number three, Ezekiel Elliott. Big Zeke the, out of Ohio State. Four years in, in the league. The man, uh, the question is, is he, is he more trouble than he's worth? Oh, is he more trouble than he's worth? Yes. <laughs> yes, he's more trouble than he's worth. So what? 1,357 yards, 12 touchdowns. He has 5,400 in his career, and he rushed for 983 yards in the season that he only played 10 games. Make mine Zeke. Zeke is not as high on my list because when you need him the most, he, either either behind or he's not coming up with important yards at important times of the game. So he dropped two spots on that. Could have easily been my number one. Goes to number two, Christian McCaffrey. This man is born again. Born again Christian. All right, the guy can catch. The guy can run. He makes people miss. He can bolt through some people. And I really love this guy, man. He cuts. He's uh, Bridgewater is going to be a happy man. There's nothing more to say on that. Which leads me to my number one, Derek Henry. 1,540 yards rushing for the season. It's bowling people over. And who would think a guy that big, if he breaks one, he scores. The man runs like Bo Jackson, and he cuts a, a little bit like McCaffrey. Not on that level. And very, very close 2-1, but I got to give my number one to um, for uh, best running backs today. It's McCaffrey. I mean, is um, sorry, Derrick Henry. Yeah. I like. Hey, I like your one. I ain't mad at your just, one though. Come on. I'm just saying you built you build a whole like, program around McCaffrey. I like your one. Yeah, I mean, and Saquon, I would put him higher, but you know, he he just does he hasn't shown it yet. He sh- if you look at the stats, he's shown it, but he hasn't put it to you know put it to use. I would say uh, he got hurt in the wrong time of the season. You know, I think he was really kind of utilizing what he could do. Uh, yeah, and Derek, man, like I said, I, I he would be my number one easy if you know if everybody played their best at all times, you know, but that's just not the case. You know, for some reason, he just doesn't get those. And it's weird about running back. Like, you have to get those one, two, three-yard gains instead of getting negative two or three-yard gains, and then you'll get the big plays. And that's what he does. Like, he can do that easily with his size, but uh, he just kind of wants to be that flashy running back at 250, you know, 250 pounds. It's ridiculous. Like, just be a bulldozer and then be able to show what you can do after. But yeah, he, he he's definitely on the list. And yeah. Aaron Jones, man, I like Aaron Jones. I really like what I saw this season. That that guy's not going away. No, he ain't. Aaron Jones is a problem, my man. Yeah, All right, nice. here we go. This whole episode is dedicated to nothing but top five, okay? Um, and we might do one next week, but we're not going to bludgeon you to death um, next week with it. But this week, just put on your seatbelt. If you ain't got a pro- if you got a problem with top five, this might not be an episode. Just skip it, all right? Check out Deron Forbes tomorrow on the Option Podcast. He's going to be my guest at high noon. Um, all right, bring your attention to the NBA. All right, what's going on right now? This Michael Jordan documentary, uh, Rob, um, um, touted by many, if uh, if not most, by the by, as the goat, the greatest player of all time. Certainly, my pick for greatest of all time. Um, just uh, the body of work plus uh, the moment of truth shots. 
Um, he's he's missed some, but he, he's he's um, man, he's made some. So and I and some of these moments are awesome. So instead of rolling down our top five moments, we're just gonna go five, uh, five a piece, and I'm gonna go back and forth. All right, I'm gonna give you mine first. All right, my my top favorite, not 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 of all time, but consensus. My top favorite um, uh, moment of all time, number five. I call it. Is he big enough? Michael Jordan's playing the Utah Jazz. He's posted up against John Stockton, does a spin move, and dunks on Stockton. And then a fan gets so upset, he almost goes on the court and says, hey, why don't you pick on someone your own size? So the next play, Turpin's under the, you know, under the rim, and Jordan dunks on him, and Turpin's like 6'10", and then he, walk, he runs by the fan, and he shrugs, and he says, is he big enough? <laughs> That's my number five. What's yours? My number five is... Uh, actually, same team, Utah Jazz, the game winner that he hits uh, for his last championship. Um, I think that pretty much, I know it may maybe be higher on other people's lists, but for me, it's more, I like it because uh, of the sentimental value. Like, it was one of the first times I think I've seen uh, somebody talk about Michael Jordan, and uh, it was just a great shot. Some people talk about push off and whatnot, but I think it was just uh, the essence of where the league yeah. is now, where you know, offense beats defense. And, yeah. Uh, you know, he was one of the greatest. So it was great to see. Yeah. Number the, five. Hey, hey, the push up was conspicuous, but not egregious. It would have to be something where, where it would look, it would have to look like a Russell, Russell Westbrook, um, stiff arm. You know, I've seen Westbrook stiff arms on people. And not and he, <laughs> yeah. he did a Marshawn Lynch one time. All right. Um, number four. I bring your attention to 1986. Turn the clock back. Way back, Rob McLean. Michael Jordan scores 63 points against the Celtics. He had the flu in that game. He was sick as a dog. Now, very, very few times do you remember great performances in the losing effort because you tell the story and then someone asks, oh, did he win? And you say, no, nobody wants to hear it. So there are so few instances people remember performances in the, in the losing effort. You can remember them. And that's what I'm remembering. That's what I'm naming right now. Two overtime losses to Bird Parish and McHale and the Celtics. Playoff uh, game two. Hey, man, you took mine, man. All right, we share. What else do you want to yeah, add to that? Yeah, because, I mean, and that's the craziest thing is that uh, they all applauded him in the loss. And, and it's hard because, you know, you see in, uh, you know, when, when you watch something like that <clears throat> and you see, uh, you know, there's a lot of admiration for that. And, it's just kind of crazy because all we always talk about is the wins and the losses and this and that, but there's a lot of uh, camaraderie and respect in sports, and, I, and that's what leads people to live better lives after that. So, um, yeah, it's just very interesting to see, and, uh, you know, another thing Jordan teaches you, you know. No doubt. No doubt. All right, my number three, free throw, eyes closed. He's at the free throw line, and Matumbo's sass, and Matumbo's like, why don't you shoot one with your eyes closed? And he goes like, huh? And then he looks at Matumbo, and he says, this one's for you. Dribble, dribble, dribble. Swish. That's my number three. Yeah. I definitely remember that. He's one of my favorites. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think my number three would probably be, um, I guess it's more of a process thing, but just how he, you know, was never really the guy, you know, um, and he always persevered. Um, he always, you know, we could talk about moments, you know, we can talk about the high school day where he never made, and then he came back, 
which again was disputed. And then, you know, where he wasn't really the number one player in the country for uh, North Carolina, but then he started playing and, you know, it was all different after that. Um, and then even in the draft, he wasn't the number one pick, you know, he wasn't the, that guy, even until third, fourth, fifth year in the league. Um, a lot of people don't remember that. And then he just exploded um, kind of again, same thing like Kobe Bryant. Um, but yeah, I, I think just that, that whole idea of, of him or what he's shown of just like perseverance, you know, that's definitely one of my favorite, favorite uh, Jordan moments. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Which brings me to my number two, the game winner against Georgetown. When the, the fate of the NCAA championship, the best team in the country is being decided with these savages. You have James Worthy. You have uh, Patrick Ewing playing for Georgetown. Sleepy Floyd playing for Georgetown. You have Brad Dougherty. Um, the, the fate of the game, one point, was decided by some kid named Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Took the game winner, secured the national championship as UNC beat um, Georgetown in 1982. That's my number two. Number two. All right. Um, for my number two, I have, again, a process, but um, uh, I heard him talk about how his whole idea was that he was going to dunk on every every big guy in the league. And I, I don't want to remember which year it was exactly, but... Um, but yeah, I, I know where you're going. <laughs> all part of the process. And, you know, he I, I remember so many iconic dunks from, from that particular run of trying to dunk on big guys. And then, the um, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon, Duncan Hakeem. Um, Ewing yeah, got posterized. Ewing got posterized in 1991. Tumbo, Ewing, yep, it was all of them, you know. And that's that's what I mean again, just about like a whole idea of thinking that he wants to do it. It's not that he made it happen, but when the play, when the opportunity came, he took it. You know, he he could have been blocked, he could have been you know fouled, he could have been, but he wasn't. It was a flush play, and whatever it was, it was the mentality or the the ferocity or, or what he did to him during the game. They didn't block it, and he flushed it, and, you know, those are the moments. Yeah, no doubt. And my number one, you already mentioned this. It's at the bottom of your five. It's at the top of mine, the last shot against the Jazz. What people don't remember is what happened before that. Stockton, John Stockton uh, did this jump sideways three-pointer, put the Jazz up by three. Um, Or, yeah, put them up by three. And then in the ensuing series, Jordan scored. And then on that series, he stole the ball from Carl Malone, and at the end, he scored. So just a great way for him to finish the game. Um, um, not just a scoring junkie, but a scoring junkie when you need him to score. Came up with the last four points, including the game winner. Not just uh, but a defensive player, right? Came up with a steal, a steal on the best one-two punch in the league at the back then, Carl Malone and John Stockton. That's my number one, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my number one is the time where one of his rookie teammates – uh, asked him uh, to, or said that he could beat Michael Jordan in a one-on-one. And he went to dismantle not only that guy, but anybody else in the gym that asked to uh, that asked to meet him on that challenge. And Man, again, never mess with someone like that. That yeah. never mess with someone like that, 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 that are always looking for, he's looking for reasons to motivate himself, yep. you know? I remember Jeff Van Gundy said that he's this nice guy in the beginning of the game and he's sweet until he kills you. And Jordan used that. Jordan got offended by that. Put up 55 against the Knicks and then called him a, um, a little shit. <laughs> when he walked by at the end, I'm like, really? It's Jeff Van Gundy. Relax. Yeah. All right, so check it out. Um, our next top five. 
I bring your attention to mixed martial arts. A decade and a half ago, UFC president Dana White said that there will never be women fighting in the UFC. It's just not going to happen. Now, not only has his view changed, a decade and a half later, some of the women are headlining. And and one of his two most popular fighters who transcended the sport, Ronda Rousey, meaning people that don't watch the sport know her, um, was a woman. So... Tribute to the female fighters who are not our favorite, but who are the top five female fighters of all time. You want to go first or you want me to get it? (laughs) Rob, I thought you'd never ask. I'll go first. All right. Number five, Jermaine Durandamine, the iron lady who fights at 135 and 145, took the belt, um, the interim belt um, from Holly Holm, fought uh, a slew of great fighters fought Amanda Nunez, which I thought was her best performance as far as showing her all-around skill set because everyone just saw a striker. But I like that performance over her starching Aspen Latin 16 seconds. So Jermaine Durandamine, say that five times really quick, is yeah. my number five. My number four, Chris Cyborg. Chris Cyborg is the single scariest fighter of the face. And when you find her, you're, you're facing her. People call the promoter and they call Dana White. And they're like, Dana, what did what did they, what did that girl ever do to you? <laughs> you're giving her Cyborg on the, in the men's or women's division. All right. She, we, we, this is the one woman that we honestly believe is elite male athletes can fight men. All right. We heard about Ronda and this and that. And I'm like, come on, man, stop. Just stop. And the only the reason why she dropped so low on my list is she got busted. Uh, and she apologized, and she's the most tested athlete, and so I'm, I assume she's clean now, but she loses points on that. Um, num- number three. Go ahead. Sorry. You can interrupt. I was going to say, it was, it, she got starched by someone else on this list. Yes. You know, that girl got to be somewhere on that Yes, list. come on. That's why Cyborg's four and <laughs> not number one. <laughs> um, number three, Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey, um, People who are prisoners of the moment only remember her last two losses. I refuse to do that. I remember her first 11, where she was beating people under under 30 seconds, including submitting Kat Zangano in 14 seconds. That is ridiculous for anyone that knows who Kat Zangano was. Her last four fights before her loss to Holly Holm were all undefeated fighters. Kat Zangano was, was, um, was 9-0. and um, Sarah McMahon was 8-0. Um... Betch Cojera from Brazil was was ten and zero. All uh, her last four fighters, at least to my my um my memory, were undefeated. And not only did she roll through them, she submitted them, and she and she she start she face planted um <laughs> Betch Cojera <laughs> in Brazil, <laughs> who was cheering for her by the way. So gotta give it up to the new movie star and and former um and w a new WWE star and former fighter Ronda Rousey. Number two, you're gonna like this one. Shevchenko, Valentina Shevchenko. Why don't people know who the, who you are? Because you don't who she is. Because you don't watch mixed martial arts. Anyone that mar- watches mixed martial arts from the grade of casual all the way up all the way up to the diehards know this woman's nineteen three record is savage. Her level of competition is amazing. Her only two losses or those three were to well one was to Liz Carmouche who which she avenged. She won. And then the um she lost twice to Amanda Nunez. Won by split decision which many thought she won. I didn't think she won but that close. So Valentina Shevchenko, the Peruvian and the Russian and the little and the kind of half river dancer <laughs> gets my vote for number two which leads me to number one. 
All right, one through four, you can argue ad nauseum, but number one is not even an argument. Amanda, the lioness, Nunez, secured her GOAT status in just four years. In that time span, she choked out Misha Tate to get the belt. She starched Ronda Ronda Rousey in under a minute, probably retired her. This woman's retired more people than Social Security, all right? Beats uh, Valentina Shevchenko twice, like we just mentioned. Starched Chris Cyborg. In the first round, who does that? Nobody starches Chris Cyborg. Knocked out Holly Holm. Holly Holm has some losses, but has never been knocked out in her career. And in many times seemed impossible to knock out. The Lioness rules the world. Amanda Nunez. That's the truth. That's the truth. Top five, Rob. I don't have much difference. Um, I would have, I had uh, my number five being Chris Cyborg. I mean, I definitely agree with that. You know, the, the women... The all-time women's list is maybe a little bit shorter because we got we're going to the very top, but uh, we have uh, Chris Chris Cyborg as number five. Huge have, separation uh, between the five and the rest. Yeah, I mean she's got to be in there. Uh, it's sad, it's sad that it took this long because I feel like maybe ten years ago she'd be at the you know maybe number two or three um, of the list uh, or fighting uh, fighting Nunez at a, at a different time. So it'd be yeah. crazy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, my number four is uh, Weili Zhang. Uh, that girl who just Ooh. fought, yeah, she, she, and I mean, there's not much else you can do to prove that you, that you're not supposed to be. Um, I, honestly, I'm thinking about it, I probably might maybe, maybe move uh, Chris Cyborg up to four, but um, yeah, wait, is Whaley? I'd love to see what she does in her next fight, and she, she's definitely up there. Uh, Rousey is my number three. I definitely agree with that. Um, people do definitely forget because of the last two fights or the way that she looked in the last two fights, but people also got to remember that. She did that, you know, eight second, you know, you know, take her, take people out, arm bars everywhere, and then never did, did that after, you know, in the last two fights. So it just shows you how terrible the coaching was, and, and it wasn't really about her as an athlete. Um, number two, uh, Valentina Shevchenko. You know, you gotta, you know, I still think that she and Nunez got run back a couple times, um, and that that should be trilogies because they're right around their age, the same age, and and. You know they're both good. End of the careers, they both tapped out all the divisions, and they should, we should we should get a couple more super fights. So I'm hoping for that coming soon. And then obviously the number one is Amanda Nunez. She just I I think of anybody on this list could fight a dude. I I would love to see her fight. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy who's trying to fight all these females. Um, oh, um, Cejudo. Henry Cejudo. <laughs> now that I will yeah. be paying for. Yeah. Amanda Nunez. And Henry Cejudo. Henry Arreso. Henry Arreso to the ground. <laughs> but if he's, t- I tell you what though, if he sticks his chin out, if he sticks let's his chin see. out, I'm telling you, Amanda could fucking hurt him. I just let's cursed. See. <laughs> let's see. Yep. Oh man. Oh, so I like that our number one is not not as as cut and dry. Hey, next top five list. This is uh, we'll go to beach volleyball. Is a lot of what our contemporaries have been waiting for. Uh, for those of you that were waiting for the Facebook Live, sorry. This is um, <laughs> this is our Facebook Live. We're live right now, as we mentioned before, Rob. Um, I get a whoops there. Um, so <clears throat> the last twenty years, the rest of the world is caught up in many ways and past the U.S. and talented players at the top level. Um, with the U.S. not ready to concede the crown from the sand, as far as top players, and with a slew of talented players on their way up, Rob, who are your top? Five female play uh, beach volleyball players in the U.S. of A. right now. Yeah, right now. Okay, so my number five is Emily Stockman, and that's of course right now. 
But uh, when she plays her best game, you know, she's really long, really big defender. She runs down a lot of plays. And, you know, she, she's with a great coach, and they make her do the right things. And nice. Uh, I don't know who, you know, I really like her ability to be a hybrid defender. Like, she's, she's one of my – she's definitely up there. Uh, my number four is Sarah Hughes. Um, again, I'm not really too in favor of the partnership she might be in right now. But um, with Wilkerson or uh, that that Hughes is in. Oh, cool. Uh, oh, yeah. I just think that she needs a type of player that maybe that's probably not out there right now, and that's why she's in it. Uh, that can just dominate and force the game maybe to her, and then she can allow the game to, to to blossom. But that's why she's a little bit lower on my list, and maybe other people might put her on. My number three is uh, Carrie Walsh. She's still out there, still dominating, still being big. You can't really take that away. You can't teach size. And uh, she's finally on the correct side of the court so that she doesn't have to blow out her shoulder to be able to play the game. Um, so that is just huge for her. Uh, you see a lot more options, a lot more smart plays. Um, my number two, I think some people would be surprised, but is Kelly Clays. Um, I think her combination of jump serve, uh, be able to move how she does, uh, confidence and, and uh, mentality. Um, and then, you know, she's got a golden shoulder. You know, you can't really take that away. Um, so, yeah, she's got she's good blocking. She's with a partner that she wants to play with right now. And uh, I think that it's great for her. Uh, maybe, again, she thinks she's in the same boat as Sarah Hughes, where she might be able to move up this list a little bit if she gets the right partner to propel her forward. And then my number one, obviously, would be April Ross. I think it's hard to deny that um, she's far and beyond. Whether she plays defense or def uh, or blocks, she's the best player on the court, mainly because of her serving, her ability to side out, her ability to get a point when she gets a dig, um, and she's done a great job, you know, making herself a better defender. So I, uh, you know, more praise to her, and hopefully, we'll all be able to get to the Olympics this next year and and prove who really is the best. Wow. Hey, listen, there are some people that are going to be in the top five, but I am amazed how your list and my list, how significantly different they are. And I think it's because if you do five to 15 or just let's just say five to nine, there would be four girls on our list on the outside looking in. Um, and, and, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, roll off some people who are probably on your list on the outside looking in, but on my list they in. Starting with number five, Kelly Clay's. Gotta give it up to her, man. The former woman of Troy. And everyone talks about Sarah Hughes. She was the most talked about player who's the next Misty Man, this and that. And I'm like, hey, what about Kelly? What about Kelly? And there she is, out there balling. Won an AVP title with Sarah Hughes, doing really, really well with Sarah Sponsel. Played predominantly um, uh, uh, internationally, only played five five AVP um, tournaments. Finished finished in, um, as far as the top, um, the AVP, she finished top three or or four in the five AVP, AVP tournaments she played in. So she finished third or, or, or you know, within that top five. So I got to give it up to her. Got to give her the rub. Kelly Clay's. Huh. Whoever her agent is, call me. Um, number four, Betsy Flint. 
She is a savage. She will take your lunch money. And a few years ago, she was always good to put these games in, uh, where they were decided by two but weren't winning those games, and now she's winning those games. She's winning those games with authority. She's winning those games with killer instincts. All of her shots are sure. There's not a moment of hesitancy. One couple of AVP titles, uh, her first one, Cincinnati with Kelly Larson, won a couple with um, Emily Day, and clearly... Um, she has 96 aces from the AVP, and the person who's second is April Ross, who has 54. That's second. So her serve to space. And we both know when you have aces, that don't even tell the story. We're not even talking about, like, shanks or out-of-system balls people have to bring back, which, which automatically have teams on their heels. So this woman speaks one language, killer. My kind of language. Number three, scrolling down to Alex Kleiman, the former NCAA finalist at Stanford University, um, leader in hitting percentage in the AVP, 79 blocks in only 26 matches played. So not bad. Um, she would be higher in this list if she, um, uh, the one thing that I can say about her is, and sadly, and, and people are going to think I'm casting aspersions on her, but it's our show and I got to say it. Silver medalist. Second best, runner-up. There have been so many instances where it's her turn to reach up and grab that brass ring, and when, and it's and it slipped through her fingers. And I think um, some of these games she's she she is getting through those, but she has to show me she can consistently do it because we both know championships are not decided by blowouts. Rob McLean, they're decided by two-point victories. Which leads me to number two. You're gonna sulk because she's your number one, April Ross, another woman of Troy. All right, second in the AVP and Aces. All right, now she's significantly behind Betsy Flint, but she only played 26 matches, 54 Aces in 26 matches. That woman's jump serve is boss. If you're not in that lane, or if you're not facing your platform, or angling your platform, or or literally in front of it, you're gonna get Ace. It's gonna go backwards. It's gonna go up somewhere. Worst case scenario, and just like Betsy Flint, um, 54 Aces don't even tell the whole story as far as um. Stuff that doesn't show up on paper. Shanks. Stuff you have to bring back. Uh, definitely my number two. For, won 41 AVP titles. She still so, seems so young, right? I know someone yeah. looks so young when 41 AVP titles and 25 international titles. Damn. Which brings me to number one. Call me a prisoner of the moment, but I did talk to some people about this. So now I'm more sure than ever. It is Carrie Walsh, all right? The four-time Olympian. Five times if you include indoor. People forget that she played on the indoor team uh, uh, for the women's national team in the, in the 1996 Olympics or the 2000 Olympics. Um, she maintains her transcendence as far as star power, as far as keeping her promises off the court. There are people that don't play the sport that know who she is, and that's more than I could say about a lot of those people who, who are uh, uh, who are uh, full of themselves. All right. Um, I am a prisoner of the moment, and I said it again, but has she slowed down? Maybe. Show me where. Has she lost some, some of her jump? Question of fact. She never really jumped high in the first place. She just had good reach and timing. Even if all of those things are, are correct, even if people prove me wrong and say she slowed down and did this, has she, even if they're right, has she slowed down to a point where somebody else is playing better than her? And my answer is absolutely not. My pick at this age, and I don't even care about age. I care about what you do on the court. This woman was winning with Brooke, Brooke Sweat. 
All right. And I sound like I'm casting aspersions on Brooke Sweat, but but this is our keep it real show. And I got to keep it real. If she had Betsy Flint, if she had Sarah Sponsel, she would do just as good as she as she done with Brooke Sweat or anybody else. And that's the other point I'm trying to make. She's not at her age. You figure her partner be carrying her. No, she's carrying all of her partners, which included um um, April Ross for most of the Olympics until people found out that right side. <laughs> she don't like that right side too much. So my number one pick, not undisputed, of course, with some controversy, is the woman that's not actually playing in the AVP right now, Carrie Walsh. True. Cool, man. All right, we got another list. This one's going to be fun, and I think it's our last list. Because uh, if we do a list, I think people are going to fall asleep. <laughs> All right, so listen, in many instances, sports films have been more fun to watch than actual sports, <laughs> sports events. So, Rob, maybe I'll go first on this one. Who are your favorite, what are your five, top five favorite sports films of all time? I'm going to go first. Glad you asked. Thanks, Rob. Uh, so check it out. Number five. Don't laugh too much. I'm sentimental. Side Out. <laughs> Side Out is a movie about beach volleyball with Peter Horton and C. Thomas Howell. Randy Stokeless plays Rolo Vincent, though some people say he didn't have to play the absolute D-hole known as Rolo Vincent. Is it a B movie? You better believe it, okay? Is it a movie that had, that had great direction and acting? Hell no, it didn't. But is it one of my f- top five favorite movies? Yes. All right. 6, 12, uh, 15, 30, 12, 24. What's all that bullcrap, coach? Give me half. <laughs> Side out. <laughs> my number four ma- uh, movie. Not exactly a blue chip movie, but by name, Blue Chips. Love that movie. That's Nick Nolte. That's Shaquille O'Neal. Ed O'Neal is a reporter. Penny Hardaway. The late, great J.T. Waltz was an alumni giving people, players, money under the table, all right? And I love how the alumni was the bad guy in this movie. But and now when you're looking at pay for play and, all, and, and how, how people think these kids deserve this money, he was a bad guy when this movie came out. And this is in the 90s. I don't think he's, I think he's an anti-hero if that movie came out today. Everyone's going to be like, wait a minute, this guy's right. Uh, B-movie, blue chip on my list, number four. Number three, Major League. <laughs> Speaking of these B-movies and these two-star movies, I bring you Charlie Sheen. Had to get my cookie on, all right? Rick, the wild thing, Vaughn. Wild thing. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Willie Mays Hayes, Wesley Snipes, <laughs> Tom Berenger played a, a, um, a, a catcher with two shot knees. Renee Russo, the girlfriend who could have been his wife again. Just an amazing movie. And let's not forget Pedro Serrano. Straight ball I hit very well, but Jesus cannot help me with the curve. <laughs> Yo, don't be taking Joe Boo's rum or that's your ass, okay? Which leads me to my number two, Jerry Maguire, okay? Jerry Maguire found a way for a sports movie and a chick flick to not be mutually exclusive things, but to be binary. This was a chick flick, all right? But this movie was about sports. This movie was about football. It was about sports agents. It was about a player who was crabby about not getting his. And you know what, Rob? It had... Rob, this show, Jerry Maguire, completes me. 
Which leads me to my number one. Da da da. I'm about to. <laughs> it's any given Sunday. <laughs> Al Pacino and um oh my God Jamie Fox as Willie Beeman. <laughs> Now I finally had to I had to get a movie that was actually an A list or it was actually not a B movie. That is an A movie that is arguably one of the best sports movies ever. Really talks about the ins and outs, talks about psychological manipulation by coaches, talks about the power of the front office and how collectively how Super Bowls and championships are won, uh, not by a couple of individual people though the, though the though the players do it. And the uh, 53 man roster, it's definitely a front office thing. And I really loved Al Pacino and I really loved uh, you felt his plight. You took that journey with him about a quarterback who was uncontrollable and you felt the quarterback's plot right he you, you i mean he's he's fine he finally gets his shot and and, and on, he's supposed to do it other people's way so he could sit back on the bench and and not and people not see his best work go kick rocks but any given sunday bobby bobby mcgee let's go yeah all right well my first one my number five is a little bit of a mixture because not a lot of people like baseball but um my, my, I really love like uh, a League of Their Own, but also oh, Tom Hanks. Like a League of Their Own, but also um, you know the Natural and uh, and uh, gosh, there's one more. But yeah, just baseball. Baseball is my fifth. Uh, but yeah, I really you know a League of Their Own, Tom Hanks, you know, a classic movie uh, about when men go to war and they they created a, a female basketball league. Um, is a uh, I mean, a female baseball league. And, uh, yeah, it was just a great movie. So definitely up there, my number five. Uh, my number four uh, is actually Miracle. Uh, I thought, again, like you are saying, sports. Ooh. Interesting how sports are being uh, a little bit better than, than the actual situation that, that happened, you know. Um, so a very great movie. I really love that movie. Uh, and it really opened my eyes to how incredible that, that whole feat was, you know. Uh, my number three is uh, Rocky. Um, I think that's such a classic movie. Uh, I'm so lazy, game. dude. I'm so lazy, dude. No, I'm <laughs> I, it's hard, it was hard to choose five, like, and even rank them like that too. But I mean, Rocky one, Rocky one, and Rocky four, my favorites. Um, or, I'm sorry, Rocky one and Rocky three, Rocky one and Rocky Russian. You know, that's the, oh, that's four. Fans. Yeah, yeah. I four. like. I really like two, because she didn't want him to fight, and he was like, you know, I never asked you to stop being a lady, so please. Don't ask me to stop being a man. Please. Yeah. It's all I, it's all all right. I know. It's uh, all I know. Yeah. I mean, Rocky, again, yeah, it's just such a classic, you know. But number one is such a classic. You, you got number two. That. Okay, go ahead. Uh, my number my number two is uh, Moneyball. I actually watched this recently, and I thought it was, you know, I, I thought it was going to be an okay movie. It was one of my all-time favorite movies, obviously. But, man, seriously one of the best movies I, I've ever watched about GM aspect of the game and and, and the, uh, the the upper echelon of the game, you know, where most people think about the players and the actions that happen on the field. So awesome to see and baseball also crazy crazy movie. Uh, and my last one, uh, my favorite sports movie of all time, but I think again one of the best classic uh, high school football movies. One of my favorite actors, Denzel Washington. Remember the Titans? I mean, I'm so it, lazy, it, Rob. <laughs> That's why I was like, man, you, you know, remember the Titans, you know, great soundtrack, great movie, great. Uh, one of the first, I think, 
sports movies to really put like the production to like another level where they they gave you the story in the beginning you know they brought you in at the end and then they they give you the whole story and lead up to the to, to the ending again you know it was one of the first times i feel like uh, a sports movie really put the the aspect of of the movie itself into into uh <clears throat> into production it's, instead of just to be about the sports and just be about the people and their feelings but to convey that to the to the to the fans so yeah i think it was um awesome to see uh remember the titans best movie of all time you know if uh when i was going through this list and i was going through football movies i'm like dude i can't believe I've, i couldn't remember the titans on that one i mean varsity blues is a fun movie to watch friday night lights billy bob thornton all of the all of these are good football movies even even wildcats with goldie hawn you know a very young wesley snaps and woody harrelson back in the day you're right, man. I mean, think about like all of the best movies, man. These sports movies are just. But I mean, I got my kooky on in my top five, and look what you did. <laughs> well, is there any of uh, is there any of the uh, any ones you you want to like add on like honorable mentions? Has to be remember the Titans. Remember the Titans yeah. has to be in the middle of my pack. I mean, I just didn't remember the Titans. <laughs> you got a t- you got a top six now. <laughs> yeah, for me, I would I had to add on um, like an honorable mention. Um, <laughs> I just had it in my head. It's funny. I was thinking about Foxcatcher, but um, yeah, I forget it now. But yeah, well, I would love to say the wrestler oh. if you're in the sports entertainment, you know. Coach Coach Carter, man. Ooh. I, I wasn't gonna put it on there, but man, it's like right there for me. That's, rich Wood, <laughs> Rich man, <laughs> a Rich Wood. <laughs> Yo, oh my God, you know me. Uh, I, for the people listening, I, I would love for the for all of you listening, please submit your top five for any of these categories, and we're more than willing to listen, man. We're we're totally down with that. All right, Rob, good idea, bad idea, having a virtual draft online. Uh, great idea, uh, great idea. I think they have to do anything they can do to uh, keep it going, and uh, I think a lot of people, if they had things to do at this time, like drafts, I think this is exactly what they should do. I think a lot of teams should force people to communicate like this, and it's how it should be. So, great idea. I think it's a great idea. Honestly, they should have had a virtual draft before the live draft. I mean, it's nice to have a whole bunch of people packed in or whatever, but when you think about it, you think about the top 10, how many of those people are taking the call from home anyway? There's some people who show up to New York, and there's some people that wait at home. I mean, in light of the fact you have so many rounds of this draft, um, and not everyone could be there. Virtual draft doesn't really affect anything except just people taking a picture with the jersey. Oh, it's taking a picture of the jersey. Oh, big deal. You don't need the picture to remember that they're going to play for that team, all right? They're, they're the number one pick, number two pick, number three pick, number four pick, number five pick. Don't need the picture. We're going to remember, okay? And we're going to even remember even more when these guys actually get on the court, uh, or should I say the field, and play their position and what they're supposed to do. So, good idea. <laughs> Did you hear that? I honk the horn, baby. Bang, bang. All right, Rob. Good idea. Bad idea. LeBron James playing another five years. I'm going to take this one first. Bye. I think it's a good idea, and I'll tell you why. Even though basketball is very, very taxing on the body, and especially in his position when you're banging under the rim and you're rebounding and you're getting these elbows and you're getting knocked down, flops notwithstanding, of course, Um, There's no athlete that takes better care of himself with the advancement of science and this commitment to physical conditioning as LeBron James. He's still a freight train running over people and people just like Kerry Walt said he lost a step but show me where. I don't really see it yet, uh, if not not significantly. So good idea. Yeah, 
Uh, no, I definitely agree with that. And uh, I'd have to say that Jordan, I mean, sorry, Jordan, uh, LeBron is just uh, one of those guys who I think it's, it's whenever he decides. Um, and he said he wants to try to play until his kids maybe get into the, the league. So if that's his plan, you know, maybe does a little bit more uh, recovery in the next couple of years instead of trying to win a championship or just kind of keeps it going. But yeah, I think uh, with load management, good idea. Yeah, loving it. All right, cool. Hey, Rob, good idea, bad idea. Um, betting on the Buffalo Bills to win the AFC East. Go. Good idea. I mean, uh, they're definitely, uh, I mean, barring the draft, I don't know what uh, the Jets or <clears throat> the Dolphins are really going to be able to put up as a fight. And, and, you know, the Patriots are always a, a little tough. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely like, like love the Bills, man. Yeah, I'm going to co-sign with that. I thought, honestly, if they split, um, if people forget with two games left in the season or or two to three games left in the season, they had a shot at getting the division title. They had two opportunities to beat the Patriots if they beat the Patriots. And with the Patriots losing that last game of the season, not only would the Patriots got lost their um, first round bye, not only would they have lost, um, you know, got knocked down to the third seed, they would have lost a division. So Buffalo was already close with Tom Brady playing for the Patriots. They're going to be even closer now. You know, they got Diggs, wide receiver, finally a deep threat, you know, spread the field out a little bit. So to give Allen some room to run. Uh, defense is still stout. Really love Coach McDermott. I mean, that's not enough said about him. So I'm co-signing with you. Good idea. Okay, Bobby. Good idea, bad idea. Dahlhauser, Phil Dahlhauser should retire at the end of, of 2020. I'll go first on this one. I think I'm going to go with good idea. I think he's been thinking about, I'm not not a mind reader, but just by his language and just by some of the conversations he's had with the media, I did some media for Volleyball One-on-One, and I was talking to him and Nick at Manhattan Beach about it, and he, he didn't, he seemed lukewarm, and he always seems lukewarm to everything, so he doesn't really give away stuff, so when he's you know, not excited about something. People think he doesn't want to play anymore, and that's and some and sometimes that's not true. But in this case, I think it is. Good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have to say, it's a bad idea just because I'd love to see him go after the Olympics. Um, but after that, yeah, I'd absolutely say if it was after twenty twenty one, I would say it's a good idea. I think he's at the end of his game, and uh, he just wants to. You know, continue a different life. You know, good for him. Yeah, he moved. They moved ahead of Trevor and Try on the top two list too. So, you know, if you're in the top 15, that gives you a shot. Um, I mean, we can go over Olympic qualifications later, but um, before Try and Trevor were ahead of him, now and now they're they're ahead of Try and Trevor again because Try got hurt, I guess, right? Um, last yeah. good or good idea, bad idea question, Rob. Rob, good idea, bad idea. Anderson Silva should re- bring your attention to the UFC. Excuse me. Anderson Silva should retire at the end of 2020. Uh, yes, good idea. I mean, I think he needs to just kind of do <laughs> <laughs> something outside of directly fighting, but um, you know, give back to the game. You know, there's so much opportunity outside of physically doing what you have to do to to provide for your family. You can just, you know. Yeah, branch out. So good, good idea to retire. I I would say good idea, and only a good idea in terms of his legacy. Like there's there are some people that if they stay stay in the game too long and they lose a, they lose a bunch of matches and don't perform don't perform well enough at the end, 
uh, pe- that that's the way people are going to remember them. So people are thinking he's tarnishing his legacy. Uh, we as as elite as uh, me as a former elite athlete and you as an elite athlete. Um, we'll never put ourselves in a position to tell someone who's healthy and still fighting when he should retire. If he's loving the sport and he wants to still, still fight, I get that. But it comes with a price. That's all I'm trying to say. Not everybody, I mean, in, 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 in the cold world of sports, not everybody goes out on top, you know? So few people go out on top. Those are those are stories that people talk about, you know? So, so it's one of those things where I'm just, excuse me, I'm just happy that, he has a chance to go out, go out on his shield, you know? Yeah. Excuse me. He has a chance to, I'm going to change the effects, change memory back to one. And then we're back on our split screen. Boom. Ha <laughs> There it is. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, that was our good idea, bad idea. And thus concludes our segment of this very, very exciting and fun top five filled episode of Sports Debate Tuesday, episode 13. For all of you at home listening, thank you very much. And I have to speak for Rob, keep it McLean, McLean myself, when I say your your thanks is appreciated. Last week, 18,000 views. The week before, 25,000 views on my NY Varsity Sports handle on Facebook. So all you have to do is click like. You actually don't have to join it. You just click like and um, and you can see it. In fact, you don't even have to click like. Just click on it. So my NY Varsity Sports handle on YouTube um, and Facebook, all of the episodes are available on there, but it seems to really be taking off on Facebook, particularly in the international scene, English-speaking countries like Australia, um, UK, stuff like that, of course. Of course, our friends from the East and um, and the Option podcast, I had a DJ Stoon, who's like a world-renowned DJ, and, and he's got this ridiculous, um, immense following. You'd love him, Rob. You'd love to meet him. Um, For sure. Anything? Anything else? I had rants and raves, but we're going we're gonna to skip that because... I'd like to end it on a good mood. <laughs> All right, thank you very much for joining us. For, for Rob and myself, we say so long. We're out of here. Peace. Come check out the Option Podcast on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.